and welcome back to our Swallowtay podcast. I'm your host Aoife. I'm back. Hi, it's me. And uh, this is our second season on Swallowtay. The theme of this season of Swallowtay is disability awareness. So we'll be talking about a lot of different kinds of disabilities and keeping our general theme of mental health throughout. This week's theme will be dyslexia and dyspraxia. Dyslexia is a condition that affects your reading and writing and the way you learn. A number of people on the podcast, including hosts today, are diagnosed dyslexic. To tell us more about dyslexia, we have two special guests on today, Alex Duffy and Declan O'Connor. Hey, it's Summer here. And Hannah, and we're here with Declan. Declan, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm 27 years old, and I've been brought in here to talk about the condition I've had since I was about nine years old, and that's dyslexia. So what is dyslexia? Well, there's about... Like 50 different versions of what it actually is. What I have is what's called auto dyslexia, meaning that I focus too much on tasks and I read too often. What that basically means is when I'm reading something, I can't wait to get to the end. Like, so if I'm reading a book, I will literally make up the ending before I even get there. And that happens when I'm doing tests, when I'm reading school. And that's what really kind of held me back when I was in school. I can't wait to finish it. I just, I make it up as I go along. Um, how does it affect your daily life and professional life? Well, basically, um, there's no difference between my daily and professional life when it comes to being dyslexic. When I'm doing anything, um, especially when it comes to reading, I have to do it two or three times just to understand it properly. If I'm doing something as simple as reading a label, I have to read it two or three times just to make sure I'm picking as much paracetamol as I need to. Otherwise, I'll probably kill myself. No joke. Um, when I'm reading, uh, when I'm reading stuff at work, I obviously have to be more careful. But, on uh, but honestly, it's just repetitiveness. I just need to keep trying over and over again. When we first diagnosed, I was diagnosed. This is probably way before your time, but I was diagnosed <laughs> at the time when we left primary school. We had to do something called the eleven plus, and before we did the eleven plus test. We had to go through a test to see where our intelligence level was and our, and our brain functionality. I scored really badly in reading and writing, and I was diagnosed for dyslexia. My mum didn't know what it was, and the only thing I said is, when is the superpowers kicking? I'm still waiting. They're still, they haven't kicked in, obviously. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's what I found out when I was nine, and then everything changed for me in school life then. I was put into different rooms um, to practice more. I was given extra work to make sure that I knew what I was doing. I was given extra homework. The moment I had it, basically, it was like being like being branded. It's like everybody knew once you have dyslexia or say like if I had autism, they would know immediately. Has anyone ever turned around and made just an automatic assumption whenever they hear what I'm dyslexic? Yes, all the time. Like I said, whenever people say, whenever people hear that I'm dyslexia, um, they don't even... They don't even know what it is, really. They immediately say, oh, does that mean you can read backwards? Does that mean you can see different colours? One person actually said to me, does that um, does that mean your eye colour changes? <laughs> I mean, I don't even know what that is, if that is a real thing. But that's what someone said to me. Um, but honestly, being auto-dyslexic just means that I just, I just read too much, and I read so much that I'm not even learning what I'm reading. It doesn't go under my head. So I have to do it three or four times to make sure it's safe. I know a lot of people know what it is. I know I don't have dyslexia, mm-hmm. but a lot of people seem to be, have heard of it before. So when people hear you have it, they ever assume, or uh, maybe you can't read or you don't like to read, but then it turns out you can, and they just 
Yeah, yeah, all the time. All the time. I actually do so much reading, writing, calling out. And when people find out I'm dyslexic, they don't believe me. They actually say that, no, you're not dyslexic. You've done this. You just read that out. You can write this. You can say this. Your eyes aren't looking all around the place. Seriously, like people, when, because I've done so much work when I was younger, the way I am now, people honestly don't think I'm dyslexic because it's just, it's different than what it was before. And people thought you were dyslexic. They thought you were so slow that you couldn't read the title on a book. Nowadays, people I grew up with are older and they think people are still like that. So they do sort of make automatic assumptions there. So has having dyslexia ever frustrated you or hurt your mental health? Yes, it has massively. When I was in doing my GCSEs, that was the worst, honestly, the worst time. There was so much pressure and it was unbelievable. And there was literally next to no support um, for me. I was constantly asking for help, but because I couldn't learn their way, um, I felt that there was honestly something wrong with me for a while. Um, then I actually didn't do too well in my English, but I got to retake it and I did it again. But there was a lot of there was a lot of pressure and there was a lot of being put down by teachers before I could actually get it and get away and never have to see that place again. But there was one teacher who helped me. Yeah, you know, it's okay. And he died about he died about a year ago or so. He was the only real teacher that actually helped me and the only reason he helped me is because he was dyslexic as well and one of the worst parts was is that he had what's called Enchun dyslexia. Now what that means is that um, you, when you try to write your hand sort of shakes and you don't know how to write the word and you get all flustered and frustrated. Now he's a teacher of English and he still managed to overcome that so he was kind of like a role model for me for a while. I think it's good that Considering the fact you have dyslexia, you can still pursue a career in English and writing. Mm-hmm. Like I enjoy writing, considering my difficulties. But like that would be and is such an inspirational sort of thought. Exactly. He um he also knew that um, I wanted to read, but I I didn't have the patience for it. So he introduced me to audiobooks, which is what I've honestly been listening to since I was about sixteen. They're honestly like. <laughs> I know they really are. They really are. Thank you for coming on today, Declan. No problem. Glad to be here. Hello, everybody. Next, we're interviewing Alex. I'm joined here today by Ryan. Alex is our youth leader in charge at Studio 2 with his podcast run. Today, we'll be asking him a few questions about living with dyslexia. So, Alex, tell us a bit about yourself. So, my name's Alex. I'm the youth leader in charge here at Studio 2. I coordinate all the youth arts stuff, what's related to youth work. And what is dyslexia? Dyslexia is a a learning difficulty. Dyslexia is a spectrum, so there's like a, a level. Um, so some people have difficulty writing and reading, where other people can write very well but can't read very well, where other people again can read very well but can't write very well. How <coughs> does dyslexia affect your professional life? Over the years, uh, I, I was first diagnosed with having dyslexia in P7 uh, in the first year. And in them days, it was really, it was only starting to be, I suppose, diagnosed in the, in the education setting properly. Uh, but there wasn't really much support on it. You just got an extra class called Extra English. Now, you, as an adult, it's just through, through the years, you learn to, to adapt, really. So, for instance, as, the, as technology advances, it makes it a lot easier 
for anybody with dyslexia. So, for example, in my home office, I have a smart device, so say like a, a Google Home device. So if I was there at home and I was having power uh, spelling song, then I could ask the device to spell it for me and it would spell it out. Uh, for me personally, it's more spelling than me than it is writing. I could write no problem, like an essay, write your book even if I had it. But it's the, the spelling side of it for me that would be the, the problem. So the size technology advances the struggle seems to be lesser for people. And that's my own personal experience. Was it hard to do off your diagnosis when you first got it? A P7, what age you? 10, 11 at that age. So you don't really comprehend it, really. Like you didn't, I, I don't think at that age you really, you have that sort of understanding of intellectual abilities, really. It wasn't really until going on to secondary school, they upped the sort of education program, the curriculum, and, and everything first got a wee bit harder. Where I remember our first day and going to secondary school, so first year, and everybody had a gather in the assembly, and the teacher or a teacher assigned everybody classes. And then in the end days, classes were assigned by your intellectual ability. So, I think you're still on, Yeah, well, for example, like I remember standing or sitting in the, the assembly hall in school and the teacher was calling out everybody's things. So A, and this is the way it was done. You couldn't have done it anymore. Obviously. Obviously. A was obviously all this mouth, this mitochondrias. So they all got assigned the A, and B, and then get C. And then because our year, school years now are more bigger. Because uh, this was like, I'm chatting about 93. 1983, so the school years were smaller, so it was A, B, C, D, and I was in D. So I was in the class where you had people who had dyslexia and, and or learning needs and stuff like that as well. The support now is, is not perfect, but it's there in school, but it wasn't so much in I'm chatting back in 93 to 98 when I was in secondary school that I remember being called lazy. For example, because they it wasn't really understood then as much as it was now. Some teachers could say, "No, you're lazy," and you weren't. You were just having difficulties, and because you weren't getting the support, you were rebelling. You were having difficulties in school, behavior problems. You were getting into trouble, and all that sort of stuff. That uh, they just put you down as being bad. I just where it wasn't. You just it was because you were frustrated because. Of having dyslexia and not getting the support and, and being called lazy and it's just a vicious circle, yeah. There's one other thing I just want to add at the for, for any young people, including yourselves here too, who you have dyslexia, I suppose let me be the, the example that it doesn't, it's not going to hold you back in life. In school, like now you these days, thank God, there's a lot more support. You have support in school. It's not perfect, but you have support. And even when you go into further education, may it be the tech or uni, there's services there as well to run school where they do supply devices so they would supply you with a laptop with special special software on to help you and stuff which I had. Um, so there is lots of stuff out there and it won't hold you back in life being dyslexic. It is a difficulty, it is not a disability. Uh, there is ways around it. I think that's a good way to end it. So uh, just thank you very much Alex, thank you Ryan too. Yeah, well, uh, thanks. <laughs> thanks very much guys. Thank you very much, Alex. It was a very enjoyable interview. It helped really helped me understand a lot more about dealing with dyslexia.
Another thing that we're going to talk about today is dyspraxia. So dyspraxia is a condition that affects your coordination and your muscles. Um, they, they would normally come across as more clumsy than other people. So therefore, they might trip or drop things more often. To talk to us about dyspraxia more, we have Megan Keenan up next. Hey, so it's Jess. And this is Aaron. And today we're interviewing Megan. So Megan, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Well, my name is Megan Keenan. Um, I have been a drama facilitator since 2015. Um, I've been um, acting since I was about seven or eight. And um, yeah, I live and work in Belfast. Um, I also have dyslexia and ADHD and dyspraxia. And I work a lot with young people. And I've also set up a collective for other neurodivergent artists in Northern Ireland called the Silly Billy Collective. Why is it called the Silly Billy Collective? It's called the Silly Billy Collective because uh, my dad is called Billy. And um, I've read through research that neurodivergence comes through your DNA. So my dad is dyslexic. His mom is dyslexic. All her brothers were dyslexic and had ADHD. So that I wanted to have his name in the title. And I also didn't want to name it after conditions you have to have to be neurodivergent. I didn't want to name it the ADHD, dyslexia, dyspraxia, autism society, because that's too many words. And also, if you have a neurodivergence, but it's not in the title, you might feel disconnected and not want to join. So that's why I called it the Silly Billy Collective, because we can all relate. I think everyone has at one time been called a Silly Billy. So so what exactly is the difference between being neurodivergent and neurotypical? So a neurotypical brain uh, is a brain that is fully formed, functional, beautiful, perfect, neurotypical. Uh, people who think in a very linear way. And a neurodivergent brain is a brain that maybe their neural pathways fire very quickly. So that's people who have ADHD. Their neural pathways are going faster than the regular person or, you know, a neurotypical person. Um, there's people who have uh, dyslexia. So that affects your reading and your processing. That's one of the ones that I have. Um, and then every neurodivergent condition can affect you in a different way. It's also a scale. So, you know, uh, autism is on that scale and autism and dyslexia are very, very different. But somebody who has autism can also have dyslexia. So it's basically just how your brain works. So how does the Silly Billy Collective support neurodivergent artists? So we only started this year. Um, I managed to get a, a small bit of funding. Um, and we set up two coffee mornings and a games night. So it has kind of started um, as a social enterprise. Um, it's also become a bit of like an information hub. So we have um, a Facebook page, an Instagram account and a Twitter page and people share their kind of life hacks and their tips and tricks for uh, ways to help you read, help you structure your day. Um, there was a post yesterday about bionic reading, which is a type of font um, which helps dyslexic people read faster and retain more information. So now that someone has posted that up, all the members of our um, collective can see it and access it if it's useful to them. So earlier on, you mentioned that you have dyslexia, ADHD and dyspraxia. Would you mind telling us a bit more about dyspraxia? 
yeah, dyspraxia is a weird one. Um, so the other two affect me the most when I'm maybe reading or writing or organizing my time, going to appointments, things like that. But the dyspraxia affects my physical body, whereas the, the other two don't as much. So I can be, I kind of describe it as like little gremlins follow me around. So I could be standing, having a cup of tea, you know, I'm not on the edge of a cliff or anything, like perfectly safe, standing nice and still. And then I'll just like wobble and spill my tea everywhere or I'll fall over something or, you know, it's it's like your, your depth perception and your spatial awareness. The thing that affected most, I guess, was me um, learning how to drive, I think was when my dyspraxia was the most kind of um, annoying. I had to take my test five times because I kept feeling reversing around corners. I think that was my depth perception and my spatial awareness. So when you're getting assessed, I, I um, was assessed when I was in P4. And I'm I, since then, and I've, I've now I've got adult friends who were diagnosed as adult. I'm very glad I was diagnosed as a child because the test was actually quite fun. Like I got to sit in a big bag in the library and just got asked all these weird questions. And a part of the test was I had to lie on the floor and I had to touch my nose, easy peasy. Then she got me to close my eyes and then she got me to touch my nose and I couldn't find where my nose was. <laughs> so that, that was how she was like, you know, diagnosing me with dyspraxia. So when, when I closed my eyes, and when I was a child as well, uh, my mom always noticed I slept in a, a bunk bed. So I had the, the bars on one side of me, and then, and then I pushed all my cuddly toys like along the other side of me. And that was for me to feel like connected to something because when I'm not connected to anything, I, I, I find it really hard to judge where anything is. We, we used to play a drama game um, where you had to, there was a glass, a cup of water in the middle of the circle and you'd have to close your eyes and go in and pick up the glass. And I, I'm terrible at that game, still terrible at that game. <laughs> when you were first diagnosed, like how did you cope with school? Like what support was available? I, I actually was very, very relieved um, when I was diagnosed because I couldn't understand why I was finding everything so difficult. Um, so as I, as I said, I think I was diagnosed in P4 and um, from P1 to, to, to P4, um, I would come home really, really tired. I would like instantly want to lie down. I would know everything that the teacher had talked about. I, I could tell my mummy everything that had happened in class that day. But then once it came to my homework, which would be like recapping that day, like writing things down and getting my ideas down onto the paper would be really, really hard. And my mum would have to help me a lot. And sometimes she'd even have to write me a note because it would be a crying and a screaming match and we wouldn't get much homework done. So I was really relieved when I was diagnosed. By P7, I had a laptop. So I think I got that at the end of P6 to help me for my 11 plus. So it had software on it um, all to help me with my reading and writing and to make me quicker because my writing took so long that um, I, I was faster at typing. So I would type at the speed that everybody else would write at. So um, in school, in school, that was good. And I had a one-to-one -one person I would see 
once a week I had to go to someone who's called an, uh, an OT and um, she really had to help me um, like build up the muscle density in my arms and like learn how to throw a ball, learn how to catch a ball because my depth perception was so bad. Like you would throw a ball at me and I would go like with the other hand to catch it. Like I had no sense of where it was, where when it would hit me or where what direction it was coming from. So I had to go and like learn how to do that. So with ADHD, dyspraxia and dyslexia, what traits do you think parents and teachers should look out for for young ones? That's really interesting. And now that I work with young people, um, I definitely see a lot of myself in the children that I teach. And then that makes me think, hmm, you know, are they neurodivergent? I think if their attention span is very short, but then if it's something they love, they do something that's called hyperfocus. That is a that's a trait of ADHD, where you know it's it's very hard for something to catch your attention. But once you're interested in something, you can like zone in and maybe do you ever like um like doom scroll on your phone, like get so focused in on something that like you've been doing it for three hours and you haven't even realized that can be a, a trait one of social media and two of ADHD. So um, I guess if someone is very vocally intelligent and you can tell that, you know, they understand everything and they're, they're actively asking questions and paying attention. Um, but then when they have to do their written work at home, that intelligence isn't transferring onto what they're writing down and what they're writing is very short and brief. And, um, and if they're writing as well is, is quite messy, then that, that can all be traced to dyslexia. So my, well, that was also, the messy writing was also part of my dyspraxia because it was my arm and like hands, like, um that affected it as well but you know if you if you're if your kid's really really smart and they can tell you a story all day and make it up out of their imagination but they couldn't write it down on a piece of paper for you then maybe that's you'd be thinking then you know maybe they have dyslexia yeah that's really interesting I think it's good though for parents and teachers to be able to know that so they can spot the traits and like get a child help if they need help Thank you so much, Megan, for coming on the podcast. And I think like what you told us about today was like very informative and like everyone can learn a bit from it. So thank you so much. Well, thank you very much for having me. It was an honour to come on. Thank you very, very much, Megan. That was extremely interesting. And we got to know lots more about dyspraxia. We also caught up with Joey from the Arts Council this week. Let's see what she had to say. Hello, it's Eva here. It's Jess here. It's Connor. And today we're introducing... Joey Campbell. So Joey, would you like to tell us a bit about yourself and what your job is? Yeah, hiya. Um, it's great to be here. I'm Jenny Campbell and I work at the Arts Council of Northern Ireland and my job is the Head of Participatory Arts. What sort of work would you do at the Council? So the Council, we would have um, a select, well, a variety of clients. So British and Telecommunity Arts and Studio Two is one of our client organisations and we would fund this organisation to deliver activities like this. Um, as well as your drama and your dance and the visual arts projects. So we fund arts organisations as well as funding individual artists to make work and to be creative. What work have you done as a playwright and an actor? 
I worked as an actor, so mainly in theatre, did a bit of radio. More recently, I um, have written a play, and that was produced uh, last year um, by Prime Cup Productions and uh, the Mac Theatre in Belfast. And it was actually a play about me finding out who my dad was, and my dad was a gay man. So, um, see, I'm, I'm a gay girl as well, even though I might not sound like it. <laughs> So um, what advice would you give to young people who want a future in the career of the arts? Go for it. I remember going to see a careers officer um, at school and he said to me, I said, I want to be an actor or I, might, or I want to be a journalist. And he said, go and be a journalist. He said, go to university and be a journalist. And I said, what about being an actor? He says, no career in it. There's no future in it. You won't get enough money. There's too many actors. How do you know you're good enough? Don't do it. So I ignored that and I went for it. And I would say to you, do what you love doing. Life is too short to do something that you don't like doing. And do you know what, if it doesn't work out, you know, if you don't, if you don't become an actor, you go and work for the Arts Council. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, life is about doing different things, but follow your dreams. And if you love it, it's far better to go to work doing something that you love. Because you're at work more than you are with your family, you know, you're at work seven or eight hours a day. Do something that you love, do something that you're good at too. So I would just say go for it. Do opportunities like this. Go to an organisation like Studio 2, Greta Chantalo. I mean, Derry is full of organisations that provide opportunities. You've got Echo Echo Dance Theatre Company, you've got the Playhouse, you've got Millennium Forum. There's so many organisations that you can work with. And then if you want to take it to the next level, you can do you know, you can further your training, but just go for it if you want to do it. But places like this, you know, Studio 2, sitting, sitting here with all of the, this equipment and I can hear music going on in the next room and there could be dancing going on in another room. And this is a great place to be. This is a great place to come to after school and at the weekends. I mean, how often do you, how often are you here? Uh, a lot. Are you? <laughs> I don't even live here for you. Yeah. Really? I'm here every Monday and Tuesday for the podcast and then I'm here Fridays and Saturdays as well for dancing and stuff. And I might be doing Wednesday classes for dancing here as well. Studio two she genuinely changed like everyone here's life like for the better because like I always look forward to coming here every week. Yeah. Especially for the chicken box. Oh my too. god. I whenever <laughs> the podcast stopped, like the first time the podcast has stopped, like the first scene of the podcast and I was coming home on a Monday from school and I love going back to my house and getting a dinner and like snuggling up and just watching the TV and being lazy. But it felt really out of place to not be going to Studio Two because even whenever you come here, you make bonds with everyone here, and it's like they're just like your second family. Mm -hmm. You make a real connection with them, and even Roma and Holly and Alex and leaders, they really care about how you feel. They just they know that there's a job whenever they're here, but they also treat you like people like as we're younger so most people even in school would look at us like we don't have more of an opinion than the teachers but with Alex Holly and Roma they really like they trust us and they give us our own opinions and they give us our own like, life here I know they're literally like we're all one big happy family like it feels like I've I only known these here people for like I don't know like since like February but I feel like I've known my whole really? life like we're all like such good friends yeah. And what do you want to do, like, after? I mean, do you want to go into a creative career, each of you, or...? Um, I'm actually going to be a sport as well, uh -huh. and something in, like, the arts. Because I'm doing, like, drama, like, uh, GCSE, you know? I mean, I'm doing it for my GCSE, mm -hmm. 
And then I'm looking to hopefully work here in the future. Brilliant. Hopefully. Yeah, I'd like to be a youth worker, but like one of my things I would like to be, I'd like to be a dance teacher. Fantastic. What kind of dance do you do? I do contemporary hip hop. Oh, brilliant. Well, um, whenever I'm 18, I want to leave there and I want to go to uh, Boston to study law. Wow. Sounds brilliant. That sounds fantastic. Well, do you know what? I mean, I think the fact that you've got each other, you've got this brilliant facility here and you support each other and you're doing stuff, you know, you're, you're learning new skills every week. All of that's going to help you. But, well, I, you know, I, I think you've all got it ahead of you and you should all just go for it. Thank, thank you. you so so much for coming and thank you for putting up with us three anyway. <laughs> it was so lovely talking to you. The three of you are fantastic and this was thank brilliant. You. I love it and I can't wait to come back and do a karaoke, but thanks ever so much for having me. Thank you for coming on the podcast, Jolly. We enjoyed chatting to you. Now we're gonna have our just for laughs section. This week on Just for Laughs, we're gonna be mimicking some animal noises and maybe creating some as well. for laughs. I'm team one and I am with uh, Hannah and this is team two. I'm with Brian and Kevin. Today on Juice for Laughs we'll be trying to mimic animal noises. So for example if I came up with a noise Evelyn and Ryan would have to guess what animal it belongs to. For example moo. If they guessed cow they would get a point. If they guessed pig they would not get a point. <laughs> Alright our team will be going first. Hannah take it away. <laughs> Dog. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's one point to both of us, so no, no. Okay. Not one each. One each. Our team's up again. Nay. 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 Force, force. Force. Nay. No, you're wrong. It's a good point. Nice. So there's two points <laughs> to us. To us. One point to you. What? No. R10. Is that Kai? Yes, that is Kai. No. Shocking. Two each. Yeah, two each. Hannah, our team up again. Peg. That's right. That's correct. It's us now. Meh. Sheep. Wow, you got it right. <laughs> well done. <laughs> One point right. to you. Right, good start. <laughs> you sound like an arcade machine. Never what? <laughs> <laughs> Hannah here, um, our team up again. Dolphin. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, now it's our time to go. It's um. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> Can I do that, Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> no, not me. <laughs> I'll, I'll do it. Is that a whale? Yeah. Is Hannah our team again? Is that a woodpecker or a, 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 a bird? No. <laughs> I'm so confused. Ryan, you get a guess. Um, is it um, uh, a fish? Right, I'll, I'll give you a hint just out of fun. It's a sport. Cricket. Cricket. Oh, <laughs> wait, I don't know what a cricket um, sound makes. What is it? Neither do we. Our team. Okay. It's a bird. 
he's gonna burn it away. No, it's a man getting hit by a train. You <laughs> 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 need to be more specific. Um, a chirping bird, a woodpecker. No, Sweetie Bird. Where did Torby go? No. Okay, well, well you, it's wrong. You got it wrong! It's no. no, it's wrong. It's a, no more guesses, we didn't get any. Is it a robin? No, it's a pigeon. Hi everyone, it's Ryan. Zebra. Zebra. Yeah. Yeah. Zebra. Okay. Zebra. 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 Uh, a, wild, a wild Evelyn. A wild Evelyn. Uh, uh, is, uh, is, is it a seagull? Uh, is it a dying seagull? No, that sounds like a horse. <laughs> and a horse. Is it a donkey? <laughs> I wish. I no, you. Got it's it wrong a donkey. Too many times. Got it's a donkey. Donkey. <laughs> no, donkey. It's a track. Uh, it was a giraffe. Uh, the point of a five years, so we were. Thanks for listening to Just for Laughs. Hope you had as much fun listening to us as we did. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Word of the Week. This week's Word of the Week is Dootsie. Dootsie is a word meaning old-fashioned or not very in style. An example of this would be, my granny's house is very dirty. Thank you for listening to Word of the Week. Thank you so much everyone for listening to this episode, our first episode of the second season. Uh, we hope you enjoy it and next week we'll be back. Bye! Bye!